0: to my new podcast, Moving Matters. I am your host, Colin Wynn. I have been an avid podcast listener for the past few years, listening while on my daily walks with Bruno, my adorable chocolate Labrador. Towards the end of 2019, I began to discuss the idea of starting a new podcast for those working within the UK moving industry. So during the recent pandemic, I set out to do exactly that. Moving Matters is a new podcast which I hope will give you an insight to others working, or worked in the case of some of my future guests, in this wonderful industry, as I delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. I had great fun recording this episode which I hope you truly enjoy. I am still getting to grips with the recording, editing and publication, so please bear with me over these first few episodes. to my podcast, Moving Matters. It's a pleasure to have you on board. Thank you very much for inviting me, Colin. I feel honoured and um, humbled that you've asked me. Can you tell everyone a little about yourself and the length of time in this industry? Um, well, my name's Gary Whedon, but everybody knows me as Bert,
1: primarily because of my surname. Um, Bert Whedon was a very famous guitarist. And um, when I played football there was about three or four Garys in the side. So obviously if you're shouting out Gary to three or four different players, then it becomes a little bit difficult. So all my friends decided to call me Bert. So that's how everybody calls me Bert. Um, Bizarrely enough, my niece didn't realize that my name was Gary until she was about nine or ten when somebody called me Gary and she said, who's Gary? And I said, I am. She said, but you're Uncle Bert. I went, no, no, I am (laughs) Gary. So I say everybody knows me as Bert. Um, I've been in the industry all my life. My father had a removal company, so I suppose you could say I'm second generation removal man.
0: So that's how you got started in the industry? Did you, you went to work for your father's company?
1: Yes, yeah, I was, uh, spent all my school holidays working with him and weekends, uh, weekends were sometimes spent underneath the lorry with the geyser cleaning it all down or greasing the nipples to get the lorries all set and ready. So yeah, I was, I was destined, I suppose you could say, to be a removal man. Um, There wasn't anything else really that I could do, to be honest. I did have dreams of being a footballer, but you need talent for that. So um, I
0: ended up in the removal industry. And your father's company, which isn't your company.
1: No, um, my father's company is A.W. Weeden Limited, And I left school when I was 13, 15 and started working for him. Um, I, I, I actually... I was picked up by my mother at two o'clock in the afternoon as they signed me out. And then half an hour later, I was over in Crawley working with him. Um, so I've been in the industry all my life. The only other job I've ever done was a Sunday morning paper round. So I've done nothing else in my entire life, apart from being in the removal industry. So it, it, it's been interesting, but yeah, I, I, I worked with my father until 1988 and then I left him and came to Sully's as the manager. And um, I got the job on the proviso that one day when the guy who owned the company, Jeff Revel, decided he was going to retire, that I would actually buy him out. Little did I realize 18 months later, he decided, I want to retire. So, Gary, can you buy me out? And um, it was just before the recession of 1990. So interesting times. Interesting times, Colin.
0: But that was after 18 months of you working at Sully's. How long had you been working at your father's company?
1: Oh, well, I left school in 73 and I joined Sully's in 1988. So I'd worked with my father for, what, 15 years um, doing my apprenticeship, I suppose you could say. It it was a – family businesses are great. The only problem is with family businesses, they are family and – I I, I remember speaking to my father one day and saying to him, look, I I want to buy shares within the company because I want to have something that is tangible and is mine that I know is going to be mine. And I've got five brothers and he turned around and said to me, look, he said, there's, there's six of you. He said, when I'm dead and buried, the six of you can share it amongst yourselves. He said, but until then, uh, no, he said, I'm, I'm keeping control so I just decided, right, it's you know, time for me to move on. So I gave him notice and that uh, you know, I, I would be looking for another job. I saw the job for the manager at Sully's being advertised and applied for the job. Um, came for a interview with Jeff Revel on the 1st of January, 1988. Sat down with him, got on like a house on fire. And he phoned me up two days later and said, listen, Gary, job's yours. I say on the proviso that you buy me out when I decide to retire. So I, st- I came to Sully's as the manager um, in, I, saying, I think it was about the 18th of January 1988. Um, and it was, uh, he must have seen something in me that others don't, I must admit. He was a very interesting character, let me put it that way.
0: Not just your good looks then, Gary.
1: Oh, it wasn't my good looks or charm, no.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> you own D. Sully and son. I do. Well, correction, we do. Me and my wife. We're fifty-fifty partners. And what services does the company offer?
1: Well, we're just a small removal company, so we do house moving, we do small office moving. I'm not interested anything above sort of twenty to thirty people in office. Too big, not interested. Uh, we do house moving up to five, six bedroom houses. We can cope with that. We do storage. Um, we do. We've got a little bit of crate hire. Um, just your usual run of the mill stuff that a lot of removal companies do but as i say we're only a small company so uh, it 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 does it 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 does for me put it that
0: way and your father's company is still going my father's company yeah
1: or? my father's company's still going uh, my three youngest brothers still run that um mark simon and brady uh, they predominantly do european stuff to france and uh, I think France and Spain, I think is their two main places from what I can understand. Um, they decided they didn't want to carry on working in this country, doing removals in Great Britain, I suppose you could say.
0: So having been in the industry for quite some time now then, what challenges have you had to overcome?
1: <sighs> Where can you start? Oh, that's a uh, te- big te- sign. <laughs> oh, technology, technology drives me mad. Um, I I can't get to grips with it. I'm an old-fashioned removal man. I, I just want to go out on the lorries. I want to do my job. Um, sitting down and having to do things electronically now just drives me mad. Although I do understand that things move forward, so therefore you know we have to have to go with it. That, that's, that's one of the techn- That's one of the, uh, the things that drives me mad. Bureaucracy is another one that really gets me. Um, you, you just get used to certain legislation and that all changes. So having to, having to get to grips with that. I, th- I I think the other thing as well is being a small company, uh, which is predominantly my wife and a two or three guys that work for me, is that I don't really have anyone to bounce things off within the company. And I, I've, I've found that I've got a two or three friends who have helped me out greatly over the years i mean one of them is stuart almandris I, 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 if i have an idea i will bounce it off him and uh, he he's, he has some wonderful insights to different things to um unbounce i can sort of learn from another one is ian stud director general i've got to know him quite well over the years and and david bunting Those three guys, I I put a lot of faith in, and I I do actually talk to them about my ideas and what I should do and what their thoughts are. I don't always listen to them, I must admit. Um, But it's my decision at the end of the day, I suppose you could say. So, yeah, those things I find challenging. Um, The other thing is the time factor. I'm I'm terrible. I I spend so much time thinking about my business rather than everything else that's going on around me, I suppose. to the detriment of my wife, I suppose. She she's put up with a lot. She has put up with a heck of a lot with me. So uh, she's she's been a saint. So that, that's, that's just some of the challenges. What about the
0: pandemic?
1: Oh, let's not go there with the pandemic. The pandemic has no, no, driven, oh, it's driven me mad. Um, I've probably had a few days off to do a bit of the gardening the rest of the time has been trying to sort out the risk assessments and the method statements and sourcing the PPE and having labels and stickers done up to go on the vehicles and um, just doing things on that. And then you sit down and you think, have I got this covered? Have I got that covered? So the, the instant stuff of the pandemic, the, you know, the, the things that hit you straight away have taken a bit of time. Is it going to affect the industry moving forward? Yes, I think it will. Um, I, I think for the next year or two, we will suffer quite a bit, not just with the house moving market falling down, but also the way that we do moves. There's, there's, I think it's going to be two camps of, of people that will be looking for removal companies. There will be those that looking for the total bells and whistles that want you to arrive with the gloves and the sanitization stuff and the masks and then you've got the others that say i still want it done for three and six um and so i'm not really bothered about that i've already had people say to me oh well this covid thing is gone now isn't it so what's the problem and you just think no it hasn't gone away it's still going to be here with us it's going to be with us for a long time and i think gradually people will move away from it there will be the element of people that will say oh forget it just move on we just we've, got to get this, we've just got to get the job done so it's, it's going to be interesting times interesting times ahead of us i think yeah
0: so if you could change anything from the past what would it be <sighs> apart from playing football for brentford obviously
1: they just, they just turned me down. Um, <laughs> well, if I could change one thing from the past, and it may seem bizarre, I would get rid of the 1968 Transport Act that completely did away with the A, B and C licences. Bizarre? Yes. But that completely changed our industry. It moved us away from having a need for us to anybody can just join in. And once they had that and they brought in the operator's license, the world and his wife could be a removal man. And it killed our industry. I remember my father had two A licenses and a B license, and they were worth a fortune. You had to prove that there was a need for you. And overnight, those licenses that were worth thousands, even back then, were worthless. So if I could change one thing, I would shoot the person who actually introduced that law
0: not literally hopefully well not literally not literally (laughs) metaphorically yeah and what is your high point of being in the industry i'm sure you have many but what what high point would you would you take from this industry
1: oh high point's a very difficult one i mean the obvious one is being becoming president of the association i mean that was an honor that i never ever ever dreamed of in my entire life it was so far back in the distant past that um you know, the B.A.R. was something that, to be honest, was something I, I didn't really want to be a part of. Um I remember my father, he had the B.A.R. come. He, he wanted to actually apply. Well, he actually applied to join B.A.R. and we had an inspection. And I, I don't know who it was. And if that person is listening now, I do apologize but this snot-nosed, spotty oik turned up to inspect us. And he he looked around and he looked at the back of the vehicle and he said, oh, you haven't got 100 blankets all nicely folded up on the back there. And, uh, oh, you'll never be a BAR member. And my dad just turned around and said, well, in that case, you can... off. Oh. <laughs> um, and if that's what the BAR is about, I'm not interested. So it, it was... um not what you would call a good introduction to the BAR. On saying that though, one of my dad's best friends was Aubrey Appleton, who was I think he was like the, the the MD at Holtz back in the day, and and was very he's very well known within BAR. So there was there was that sort of crossover I suppose you could say, um, of of wanting to be part of BAR, but then again thinking, well if that's what you think of us, then you know sling your hook so the notion of being a B.A.R. member back then when I was working for my dad was out the the window Um, then when I came to Sully's Jeff Revel one of the first things he said to me is you've got to go to B.A.R. meetings to which I rolled my eyes and he said don't do that loudly I can hear it and he, he made me go to a B.A.R. meeting and probably one of the best things he made me do so actually getting into BAR area meetings and and meeting people and talking to them and thinking to myself, actually, this ain't bad, actually. You know, there's, there's a lot of people here with a lot of knowledge. So, you know, let's, let's tap into it. And that was in the Southeast London area, which is now defunct, unfortunately. And from there I got the job as treasurer for a short while. Um, and then unfortunately the Southeast London area, folded due to members amalgamating with other members and I think it's when I first went there there was about 30 to 40 of us going to the area meetings and it ended up with about six of us which was basically me Stuart Stuart's brother and Gene and David Finch and Peter Snelling I think that was about it really and we just decided right that's it so we folded and then I think it was probably about four or five years later, I had a phone call from Jonathan Hood who was talking about the Met area starting up again and would we be interested in joining the Met area? And I said, yeah, fine, lovely, would love to. So that all got up again and then I joined the Met area and then from the Met area, I then became chairman of the Met area. Um, I've got no idea why. I think I must have been away that day and they just put my name forward so I couldn't vote against myself. Um and then it went on to becoming a DED. Oh uh, that, that was uh, that was an interesting discussion I had with Jonathan Hood. I phoned him up and said to Jonathan, I said, Look, I'm I'm thinking of putting myself forward as uh as D as one of the DEDs and he just said, Dear boy, you are the type of member that we would love to have on the board. I said, Well, thank you very much, Jonathan. So I, I, I put myself forward. Um, I remember having the photograph taken up against a brick wall across the road from where we used to be in Cold Arbor Lane, um, sending that in with my resume. And nobody was more surprised than myself when I had a phone call from Rob Sire saying, congratulations, Gary, you're on the board of B.A.R. And I thought, oh, good grief. What's happened there? So I ended up as a D.E.D. And then As they say, the rest is history. Here I am now as a past president or as a pop they know is called. Um, And I don't think I could have got any high within my industry. It was the ultimate accolade as far as I was concerned that people within my industry were prepared to put me up there on a post to be shot at.
0: So DED, Directly Elected Director. That's correct. For those that are listening and don't know what the DED is, um, which is obviously BAR, so there are, am I right in saying, three that are elected? There are three directly elected directors. When
1: this was all first uh, brought in, there were three three of us that were elected. There was me, Brian Maidman, and David Tracy. I think it was David Tracy. And we were elected for two-year term, and then at the end of the two-year term, they would elect three more directly elected directors. As we went through the term, it was suddenly realised, hang on a second, we could end up with quite a few people leaving the board in one hit at the end of one year. So it was then decided what we would do is we'll have it on a rolling basis. So it then meant one of us would do two years, one of us would do three years, one of us do a fourth year to make things even out. Be one nominee who would get elected to go onto the board. Um, So... I think David said he was gonna do two, Brian said he would do three, and I said, Okay, well I'll do the fourth one. And it then just became a rolling thing. So now you have one nominee and one director joining the board each year. So you 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 keep a you keep the talent there, I suppose you could say, to pass it on. You you don't lose half the board in one go.
0: And the role of a DED is what exactly? Um,
1: he is a conduit between the membership Uh, No, sorry, an additional conduit between the membership and the board. Um, I found I was getting people ringing me up, asking me questions that they didn't feel they could actually do through their National Council member. Because National Council is one of the routes through to the board. However, there were people I found that would prefer to speak to somebody directly to take something to the board or at least try and get some sort of answer to their query um, something that would be at board level so it, it was an interesting role the other thing as well was that you had to go to the areas so we split the areas up there's 16 areas I think it is uh, within the BAR so we all took certain number i ended up with the most um i also ended up with the ones the furthest i ended up with northern ireland and scotland as well so the idea was that we actually went to the areas we listened to the membership there and we could also answer questions at area meetings
0: sounds like you had the longest term the furthest meetings to go to, and the most meetings to go to, Gary.
1: Yes, I think you can. I think <laughs> if you could look at me, you'll see the word mug tattooed across my forehead. All right, thinking <laughs> short straw. That's one way of describing <laughs> it, yes. <laughs> okay, so
0: you're a DED, you're there for four years. You don't go from DED to president so of the BAR. So, ha- how did that happen? That's a very interesting story, Colin. I don't know. Listeners are ready and waiting for
1: you. <laughs> I'd, I'd I'd seen what the the presidents had been going through, and I looked at it and I thought, do I need this hassle? No, I don't. And I'd always said, no, not something for me. And when new names were being put forward, I put forward a couple of names myself, for people. And, um, just left it to the rest of the board and then i was driving home one day and uh, had a phone call from stephen vickers and he said to me gary said uh yeah i hope you can help you with me help me he said um i've as you know we're looking for a a new vice president and we've got all these names he said and some may be interested but not at the moment Um, others probably aren't suitable because they haven't really served any apprenticeship or they're too young he said we keep putting these names together he said but we keep coming up with the same name um for one possible candidate and i said who's that and he went you and i went you're joking he went no he said no i know you've said you didn't want to do the job he said but i've been asked if i would approach you and put it to you and see if you would be interested so I said well okay well yeah thank you for asking me um you know I'm totally shocked uh, please let me think about it and uh, we had a brief discussion and he said yeah I said well look I'll, I'll get back to you in the next day or two and I remember walking indoors at home into the kitchen and I looked at my wife and I said Diane you're not going to believe the phone call I've just had and I recounted the story to her and she looked at me and she said, Do you think you can do it? And I went, Yes. She said, You regret more in life what you don't do than what you do. She said, Go for it. She said, If you find that you can't do it, you just put your hands up and say, Look, it's beyond me. Um, but if you don't do it, you will always regret it. You'll always be saying to yourself, Could I have done it? Prove to yourself that you can do it. So I remember ringing. Stephen up a couple of days later and saying all right Stephen, let's go for it let's try it so he said um okay he said um come in he said we, what we need to do he said we just have a quick chat about what the job entails and um we, we can we can go through any concerns you have so i said yeah fine no problems so a few days later i went up to watford and he took me out for a sumptuous lunch at uh Uh, that wonderful chicken establishment that he loves, uh, whose name I can't remember at the moment. Colin, help me, please, please. What is it? KFC, is it? No, it's the other one that does all the piri-piri chicken.
0: Yeah, all the Nando's.
1: Nando's, that's it.
0: Yes, he said,
1: we'll go down Nando's. So I was actually interviewed in Nando's. And (sighs) I remember sitting there and thinking to myself, this is surreal. I'm being interviewed for the job as president of the BAR, sitting in Nando's. Eating. Having a piri piri sauce. Piri piri sauce, exactly. Yeah. And boy, uh, it was weird. Uh, we sat there for about, oh, for about an hour, actually, chatting about things. And um, I said, Yeah, I said, Yeah, everything sounds sounds tickety boo as far as I can see. I said, I, and He said, Do you have any questions yourself? I said, One. I said, It's all very well me taking this over. I said, But I'm concerned about what your plans are for the future. And I said, you know, I, I don't want to take this job on and then find, you know, a year or so down the line that you've decided you're going to move on and that I'm tasked with the job of trying to find a replacement for you. And he said, no, no, sir, I'm I'm not going anywhere. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy here. He said, I'm going to see this through to my retirement. So I said, okay, fine. As long as I know that, I said, because I only run a very small business, I won't have time to actually try and find a replacement for you. So he said, no, no, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. So fine. So, yeah, took took the job. And I think we all know what happened after that. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh,
0: you were set up for that one, Gary. I was definitely
1: set up for that one. Yes. Yeah. Although I must admit, he was absolutely apologetic. And he said, you know, that. Uh, the stars all aligned and things were coming together and uh now was the perfect time within his family as well and i fully understand it you know it was, it was one of those things so uh it was I, I wished him good well i did try to persuade him to stay i must admit on several occasions however he was adamant he was going um you know, and that uh, there was nothing else. There was no other job. He hadn't been poached for another job. Um, He said, you'll probably hear stories about me being poached to do other jobs. He said, but I can assure you they are not true. And um, it it was an interesting time, interesting time. And I would add, actually, I still converse with him. I still talk to him, I still um, text him. We still have the odd bit of banter about football um I actually moved him as well bizarrely enough um but yeah he's uh, we still keep in touch
0: so the presidency yeah that's a one-year term I believe but you have to do a one-year vice presidency no no oh no you do a two-year vice presidency
1: and then you do a two-year term as president and then you just basically drop off the end of the pier and that's it. Thank you very much. Goodbye. I, it was, it was a weird time, weird time. Um, I, as, as a lot of people know, I, I ended up doing three years. I did my two years as vice president. And then I did my two year term as the president. And Mark Harrington was my vice president and he was due to take over from me. And I remember sitting in the BAR headquarters with Ian Studd. And we were having a meeting and there was me, there was Ian and there was Tony Tickness sitting in Ian's office. And Mark walked in and he looked and he said, we need to have a discussion. So we said, yeah, what's the problem? He said, I've left Pickford's. Right. So that means you can't be BAR president. And he went, no. Oh, heck. And I could see the faces of Ian and Tony and I was thinking I can't just walk away from this. So I looked at them both and I said look if it helps I'll do another year. And I said really? I said yep I'm prepared to do another year um, if it helps people out. So they both said thank you for the offer it's something we will look at and at least it's something we have i suppose you can say in our back pocket so yeah they ended up um taking my offer up and i did 3 years and um i got to admit the first 2 years you really feel you've got it and you think yeah my feet are under the table i know what i'm doing but the third year it went very very quickly and i remember thinking do you know I think two years is enough for a president. You do think, yeah? You know, I, I there's a lot of things going on. And that third year was, it was an interesting year, but it was a nothing year, I suppose you could say. Although there was a heck of a lot that did get done. Um, so it's, it was strange. It was very strange. Um,
0: Would you do it again?
1: In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, it's something that I really enjoyed,
0: and an, an honor, surely an honor. Oh,
1: it, it was a, it was an honor that I, I, as I said, I never, ever, ever expected to happen to me. I'm just the run, the owner of a very small removal company, and I I do look at the board that's in the bar uh, boardroom with all the illustrious names of those that have preceded me and i look at it and i think how can i be up there i look at the names of people like Freddie holt who was a lovely lovely chap lovely chap um i, I look at john luxford who did 2 years and uh, david bunting and I, I i i so many names up there um mr Bartup, not not senior and junior and think these are the great and the good of the industry and yet my name's up there and my name's up there not just once but twice. <laughs> Which is bizarre. You know, I did it was up there for my two year term and then it's up there again up there again for the one year term that I did afterwards. And I, I suppose you could say, well, at least I've left a mark somewhere.
0: Well, you could have had your name on the back of a Brentford shirt, but instead you've got it on, on the notice board of <laughs> <at> the B.A.R. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I know which one I'd have preferred. <laughs> so let's go back a little bit. Yeah. What advice would you give to a young Gary starting out in the industry today? Network.
1: Network. Network as if your life depends on it uh Go to BAR area meetings. I my eyes were really opened, as I said earlier. My eyes were really were opened when uh, I went to the BAR meetings, and I got to know people. I, th- I find over the years a lot of people, a lot of other people, sort of say, "Well, oh, we can do Facebook and we can do things electronically. It's not the same as actually sitting down with somebody face to face, talking with them." chewing over the fat and learning about that person you actually get to know them and i find that i've done more work with other bar members since i actually joined the board and i'm going to conference as well i mean that's another thing um face-to-face meetings you can't beat you cannot beat them and i i urge any youngster coming into the industry Keep the Bar area meetings going. Please go to them because they are a lifeblood. They really are. Um, So that that would be one of my things I would give. The the other one I would say is, you work to live. We don't live to work. I've spent a lot of my time thinking about my business, thinking about work, taking it home with me, living, breathing work. Um, My wife gets absolutely bored rigid with me if we drive around the country somewhere and i'll pass a house and i say see the house there she say, yeah all right yeah you moved him in uh, yes i did <laughs> um and, and you you do and it, it becomes all encompassing and um yeah just just remember that you, we do we work to live and there is life outside of business so um that they that, that would probably be my main things that i would actually give as a advice to anybody coming in
0: it's funny that you say about spotting the houses and and moving people in or moving people out you know obviously i'm in it but as soon as i see a removal truck you can spot it a mile away yeah and if it's a client's truck it's always yes 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 they've got my paperwork yeah (laughs) so i know exactly where you're coming from yeah it's it's
1: bizarre I, i i seem to have the sort of memory that i i can remember people i've moved from years and years ago um it's bizarre do you know years ago when i was at school i remember my parents went to a a parents evening and um they said about me and they were talking about me and they said gary doesn't have a memory he has a forgettery except when it comes to removals (laughs) and then he can remember exactly where he's been who he moved um I, I, you know, I still get people phoning me up and the, I, I spoke to a lady the other day she phoned me up she said you moved me 10 years ago and i said oh that's right yeah we moved you from that address to that address and she went oh my god you still remember me and i went yeah so yeah it, it's it's one of those things i do remember
0: so networking bar area meetings i like that obviously the bar comes up quite a bit I take it you would recommend the BAR to any removal company currently in business?
1: I would certainly recommend the BAR to any removal company that comes into this business and has, has started up. You know, that would be, I don't know how to put it really. It's, it's something they should aspire to um, because they want to be professional. They, they, they want to get on and they want to work together. Um, this, in, this industry is hard enough as it is you know let's all work together um i i still you know i still find that there are people out there who will try and put obstacles in our way I, I i'm probably digressing just for a second colin but i did a job the other day and there was a part load that i'd collected that had to go up to north of the border and we held it on our vehicle and they sent their vehicle down and there was another company that had to put some goods onto their vehicle as well so we said all right okay we'll all meet at a certain company's yard this company from north of the border can unload and then we'll all transfer and we were they, they were unloading and when we went to start unloading one of the operatives came out and said the boss says you can't use our yard i said sorry I said the boss says you can't use our yard because um we're going home and this was half past two in the afternoon so three of us had to go and find somewhere where we could park a wagon and drag and two transit vans so we could get them back to back to be able to transfer the loads over and it probably added about an hour and a half two hours to my day and i'm just thinking what is the matter with people you know we're, we're all in the same business let's just try and help someone And it wasn't as if we were going to be that long. I mean, actually, the job actually took us about 20 minutes to transfer the stuff over, because there were six of us there to do it. Uh, I I just... It beggars belief that there are some people in this industry who are like that. Um, And I hate to say it, it was another BAR member.
0: So where do you see yourself and the industry in five years? I mean, is there a get-out plan for for Gary or... Yeah, are, are you just going to carry on and on and on and on and on? I'm one of those
1: that they're going to have to bury me in a tea chest when I'm dead and buried. Um, I, I have no plans to retire. In fact, COVID-19 has actually uh, reinforced my desire not to retire because those few days I did spend at home, uh, all I got was, oh, that needs painting. This needs painting. Let's rub the decking down. Let's get the decking stained oh, what should we go and do now? And I'm thinking, oh, no, 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 no. And I think my wife probably got sick and tired of me being at home as well. So <laughs> the thought of actually of retirement doesn't actually come into my psyche at this moment in time. Um, that's not to say in five years' time I might be feeling different. So, you know, let's see where that goes. Where's the industry going to be in five years' time? I think it's going to be in a different place to where we are now. Um, I think we're going to I, – I, I hate to say this, but I've got a horrible feeling we're going to lose some of the the names within the industry. I think that a lot of companies that have got multi-branches will find it hard, and that's no disrespect to the multi-branch companies because they run some very, very fine companies. But I think the way that the public, the buying public will be looking at the way we operate, they will be looking at costs and they will be looking for probably the smaller companies Uh, i I think the covid 19 thing has actually come back to a lot of people to make them think local to think small um, small business and it's made them realize that uh, big isn't always beautiful controversial maybe but that's what i think will happen um maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong Um, maybe we'll all still be going in five years time but it's. Uh, I, I think the industry is going to go through a lot of changes, a lot of changes, um, some of them good, some of them bad, because I think there are going to be some very good companies that will go. That's my thoughts on it.
0: So outside of the industry, how does Gary switch off? Clearly, you've stated that you don't want to retire because you don't want to be staying in the deck in <laughs> and doing all this, so you're not interested in all that side. So, But what, what does Gary do to unwind? Oh, what does Gary do
1: for Unwind? He he loves to play golf. Um, good knit a cows with a shovel. But I do enjoy my golf. Um, I don't play as much as I should do, I must admit. The problem with golf is it's a very time-consuming game. So uh, to be able to take four hours or five hours, actually, um, the way I play, out of my time to actually go out and play golf, he's probably not there. Um, so i will probably get about three or four rounds in. During the year. Um, my other passion, obviously Brentford Football Club. Don't get to see them as much as I would love to go and see them. Um but doing well at the moment. Doing well at the moment. Um
0: Well, if you ever want your old manager back, just let me know.
1: <laughs> well, the new manager's doing quite well actually. Um he's doing a very good job. So uh, yeah, that sort of thing. And basket weaving. I like basket weaving.
0: Do you know I haven't done that since I was in school?
1: Yeah basket weaving i do the plain weave you know there's this different type of weaving i I love working with willow and um and honeysuckle because i find they're 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 very pliable so uh, that all started from days when i well my dad had a secondhand furniture company and we used to go out buying secondhand furniture and we used to bring some of the furniture back and some of it was wicker uh, the wicker backs, the, the, the sofas and the armchairs had the wicker backs. So I thought I'd learn actually how to repair them.
0: And you have a passion for dogs.
1: Passion unbelievable for dogs. Yes, we've had two dogs. We had one, our first one was a golden retriever called Sully. Um, uh, it was quite bizarre actually because somebody said to me one day, oh, your dog's called Sully, the same as your company. <laughs> did, um, did you name the company after your dog? And I went, the company's 160 years old. So I don't think we did actually name him after the... Yeah, you know, we did name the company after the dog. So, yeah, we, uh, Sully was our golden retriever, was our boy. And then when we lost him, we decided we needed to get another dog. And uh, we were offered a guide dog. Um, he's a retired guide dog. And um, he came to us when he was two and a quarter. And uh, bizarrely enough, we were his last chance. Apparently, he'd been to about nine different homes before he came to us. And... He, uh, he just didn't get on with each one and he would either wet or he would mess or he would just wouldn't come back to recall. So we were his last chance. And I remember we picked him up and uh, we brought him back home and he walked into our front room. We saw Sully's old toy box with all the toys in, and he went, oh, I've hit the mother load. And we never had a problem with him at all. He absolutely adored my wife and he would come back to recall he was absolutely gorgeous um and we lost him about three years ago and we're hoping to get another one very very soon
0: so finally i always like to end these podcasts with a funny moving story so i hope you have a funny moving story to tell our listeners
1: where can i start um i've got my old classic one that i could tell you which i might tell you in a minute one of the other ones is about a job that we did for a local council and they were doing an eviction when we were involved in the eviction. Now, anybody who knows where I am knows what part of London I'm in, so they can work out which council I'm talking about. And they had a squat that they had tried to clear since the 1970s and they'd failed miserably each time anyway around about 2002 2003 they decided they were going to do it properly so they got the high court enforcement officers in and i remember going to a meeting one day and there was this the great and good of law enforcement there and how they were going to do it and they were saying we're going to do this and we're going to do it and it all had to be very hush hush and they were going in under the cover of darkness to surprise these people and that uh Fences were going to be erected and then they wanted us to go in and move the goods out and store them uh, till the residents came forward so they could collect their goods. And come the allotted day, we were sitting ready at five o'clock in the morning, ready to go. When I had a phone call saying we're going to have to stand down for a day or two. I said, what's the problem? They said, well, unfortunately somebody must have let something slip because some of the eco-warriors had found out that this was going to happen. So in in solidarity, they were going to go down and help the the residents of this squat to repel the police and the enforcement officers. Unfortunately, they turned up as pirates because they thought it was going to be like a good wheeze and an away day. And the coloured community of the squat decided these have got links to slavery. So there ended up as a big fight between those that had come to help them and the residents of the squat. So it was decided we're going to stand down because we don't really want to get involved with a big punch up. So everything was put back a day or two. Anyway, when they did go in, they, they took everybody out and, uh, we were duly called to go in and for about three weeks, we had artics just circling. I had three artics. So one article would come in with three containers on, sorry, eight containers. We would load the containers up with each resident's goods now there were 32 houses in this um, this squad each house had four floors each floor had three rooms each room was a different resident so as the, the Americans say you do the math we had to then decide what was salvageable from each room And actually put it into the containers itemize it seal them up and send them off so we did this and it took about three weeks to do it the high court enforcement officers that were there were up for a laugh anything for a laugh and i remember just as we were finishing one of them came out of one of the squats and said found some i said what's he found he said oh he said um he's probably found some drugs so we walked over and he's got this large parcel of cannabis. so i said what do you do with that then so he said oh we give it to the high court so i said well, what would the high court do with it he said they give it to the police right so what do the police do with it he said they give it back to us all right so what do you do with it he said we burn it and then he looked at me big smile on his face he said that's one hell of a party we have that night he said we just stand around breathing it in and drinking beers (laughs) very good so uh yeah that was that one and the other one which i've got to tell because some people have heard it and this goes back to the days when i was working for my father and he had a business down in brighton and we were called in very late in the day to go and pick some goods up from a flat in brighton so we went over to load it and we got it loaded. The lady said to us, right, this is the address it's going to. So we drove over to another address the other side of Brighton, knocked on the door, a chap answered. And I thought, this is a bit weird because there's a lot of furniture already in there. So said to him, we've got some furniture for you. And he went, no, nothing for me. So we tried to discuss a few things. And um, after a few minutes, the lady turned up and he just rolled his eyes and he said, that's oh, my ex-wife. He said, if she thinks she's storing it here, she's got another thing coming. <laughs> so we. it was then decided that he wasn't going to store it and that could we store it. So it was getting late in the day. So I said, yes, fine, no problems. So I thought, well, the best thing to do is just go home. Now, this is in Brighton. I live in East Grinstead, So I drive from Brighton back to home, walk through the door, and my mother looks at me and she says, you are all right? I said, yeah, why? She said, we've had the police around here. There's a warrant out for your arrest. They've been scouring Sussex looking for you. Why? She said, apparently the stuff you got on the lorry is stolen. What had happened was the lady had gone out to America with her boyfriend. They'd had a big argument, so she'd flown home. She was then clearing his flat out, which was the stuff that we'd got on the lorry. We'd loaded it up. The lady next door had seen us loading it up and had called the police. The police had got there and we'd loaded and gone. But the lady had taken the registration number of the vehicle and gave that to the police. So the police had obviously done the PNC check, found out who owned the vehicle and had gone round to my parents' place to find out where I was. And um, they'd scoured the whole of Sussex looking for me in a big lorry, with big red lorry, I hasten to add, with AW Weedon Limited written all over it. And they couldn't find me so uh, we ended up putting the stuff in store um, and then when it came to get all the stuff out of store a few months later after the legal stuff had been done we had a very interesting time saying whose is this and whose is that so uh, yeah it was it was an interesting time interesting time
0: gary you were clearly stuck in a truck stop somewhere
1: <laughs> <laughs> i know the back roads of sussex <laughs>
0: Gary I really really appreciate your time for today I just I can't thank you enough it's been an absolute pleasure given an opportunity to ask you a few questions find out about your past uh, I, I really really thank you for your time
1: Colin it's been great talking to you thank you very much I do appreciate you asking me to relive some of my past
0: absolute pleasure thank you very much thank you, much. you have a good day
1: thank you Colin cheers bye-bye
0: I sincerely hope you enjoyed this episode of Moving Matters. If you did, then please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters, which they can listen to on their podcast player of choice. And if you can, leave a review on iTunes. I would really appreciate that. My thanks and appreciation go to Gary for giving up his time to record this episode. Thank you again, Gary. If you would like to find out more about D Sully & Son and the services they offer, then you will find links within the show notes for this episode on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. And please, if you have a funny moving story that can be relayed to our listeners, do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Or send me a tweet at movingmatterspc. Well, that is all from me, so until next time, keep moving.